Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter 2 Recap from A Course in Miracles. Um, so today, I'm going to do a slightly different format. I went back through Chapter 2 and took some notes. Um, I took some notes about each section and looked, and then also went back and looked at my notes for each section. But reading it all at once, you kind of, the themes start to jump out. So I'll talk a little bit about what I saw, but I also just want to open this call up more to you all too and about what as you went back and reviewed what you were seeing or what you might be noticing in general so maybe we'll have a little bit more of a discussion today about chapter two and what what the course is really trying to say to us and what point it's trying to get across um these this is one of the first two chapters was when helen so when helen started taking down the dictation she started with the actual text of the course so these first two chapters are very much, you know, introducing a brand new way of thinking to her that she had never heard of before. Um, and then by the time she got to the end of chapter two, she had had enough life experiences and enough things that had happened where she kind of started picking up on what this was about. So um, everything I've read says that after chapter two, we kind of see a shift in how they talk. It's, it's not as basic. It gets more into the nuances and, of course, everything, according to A Course in Miracles, is basic. It's about love and fear. It's, it's a very simple concept, but it'll start getting very nuanced into all the different ways our mind plays with us. So we have all that to look forward to. But before we start, let's go ahead and do our opening preparation. So wherever you are, just taking a nice, deep breath. And then you can repeat quietly to yourself as I read our opening preparation. I dedicate this time to healing my mind and awakening to my true nature. I surrender to the source of love within me and let it guide my way. As I do this work, I'm willing to be mindful of my thoughts without judgment. I am willing to look at the way I view my life circumstances as helpful feedback. I am willing to take responsibility for letting go of limiting thoughts and beliefs. I'm willing to let go of judgments about myself and others. I am willing to quiet my mind and ask my true self to take the lead. 
I am willing to let go of tension. I soften and imagine my true self leading me into peace. My aware self leads me as I now focus on healing myself. All right. Huh. I just felt so good. I'm all nice and relaxed after a nice little opening there. All righty. So let's chat about chapter two in A Course in Miracles. So first of all, the chapter is separation and atonement. So the whole theme of this entire chapter two, which has eight sections to it, is about how we have become separated from the oneness of God and how we get back to that way of thinking. So as we go through, we see, we start off with the origins of separation, then we get into um, atonement as our defense, then we get into the altar of God and healing as a release from fear, the function of a miracle worker, fear and conflict, cause and effect, and then of course at the very end, uh, the day of judgment or, or the judgment concept of a course in miracle. So it takes us all the way through from the beginning of where we separated all the way to the end, which is the Day of Judgment. And as we learned in the Course in Miracles, the Day of Judgment is when there is no more separation and we all come back into this oneness thinking. So Course in Miracles in this chapter has taken us all the way through the life cycle of the path that we need to, the path that we're choosing, I guess is really the best word, to walk on from where we currently are, which is, thinking of ourselves as separated beings. We're already, we're already open to the idea of oneness. We're practicing and dabbling with oneness, but we're still mostly in the thought system based on separation to where we want to get to at the end, which is when we reach our own uh, evolution and we choose to see everything in our lives from this oneness and anything that doesn't support that oneness concept or anytime we act it from a place of separation we choose to not even focus on that. And that's really the entire journey that Chapter 2 is taking us through. And it's it's highlighting different points of this journey. And what I'm seeing in different sections of the text as we continue to read this is it's going to go really deep into how these show up in our lives. It's going to address things like relationships, things like health issues, things like financial issues. All of those actually get addressed in The Course in Miracles to show how we separate and have the solution to every single one of our problems in the Course of Miracles is always coming back to realizing that none of this is real. We've never left the mind of God. And God is everything. It's, it's, it's all encompassing. And we are still now today, as we have always been and as we will always continue to be, in this place that's all encompassing and full and complete. So that's what chapter two is about overall. The one thing that I noticed, which I thought was really interesting, is it kept talking about separation and, you know, you believe in separation and you fear, you fear uh, this idea of oneness and stuff. And the one thing that came 
the one awareness, I guess, that I had this time when I was reading it was every time it talks about separation, it's really talking about us fighting against what is. So it really made me think of Michael Singer and the surrender experiment and how he lived his life is this concept of oneness is, in my mind, again, after reading chapter two kind of all together, it comes back to this whole idea of surrender. Because if you're in oneness thinking, then no matter what happens, no matter what's going on in front of you, you're not trying to control it or manipulate it or change it or fix it or heal it or label it or judge it or anything. You just completely surrender to it. And every single time you open, you know, surrender, when I think of surrender, I think of opening. You open yourself to whatever it is that's happening. And by opening yourself to it, you expand your level of trust. You expand the concept of of, I'm completely cared for, nothing bad's happening to me. Whatever this is, is what's meant to be. And you really join into this oneness thinking. So that was kind of my big aha moment I had when I went back through that. I'm just going to pause there. And Hi, Leslie. I see that you joined us. I'm glad that you were able to make it. And uh, hello. Hello. I'm just going to pause there and just anything that you all want to say kind of as an aggregate, we can talk about. I highlighted a couple of uh, specific sections within Chapter 2 for us to talk about, but just your thoughts or comments or ideas on all that. Mary, I'm not sure if I don't know where this came from. You know, after rereading it, all of a sudden, I think I've shared before how I've struggled with the concept of God as the Christ, the Catholic Church identifies Him, her, it. Um, and one of the things that it's always I, I realized this morning when I was doing the the practice that it just came to me in my head that. All these years, I've been so, I don't even know how to say it, I have been putting up so many walls to help me not to believe and not to trust because I I kept saying things like, well, I'm just this one person out of billions. God's not going to hear me. God's not going to, how does he even know I need help and that kind of thing when all along it's, it's, it's in, it's what's inside of me. I have it all. Right. And and I don't know if it really falls into Chapter 2 or just the course in general, that all of a sudden it was like, I, I have to admit, I was like crying during the, the practice this morning because it was like such a huge thing for me to realize that all along I'd been putting up, I'd been creating all these fears and excuses and, and stuff when I have it all already. God already gave it to me. I don't need God to hear me. Right. How could God not hear you as your one? What, you know, if you have a thought, God heard it. Exactly. And so did I, and so did everybody else. You know, exactly. okay, granted, we're not tuned in to know we heard it at all times. You know, God is. I'm not necessarily. But but it's, Yeah. There, there's nothing to, it's not even like he has to try to hear you. Right. It just is. Yeah. 
Wow, that's cool. And you know what, Mary? I, I mean, that to me too just feels like oneness. Right? I mean, that that is oneness thinking. And it's a choice, you know, just like what you believed before was a choice. Yeah. You know, it's it's just a choice to see it one way or the other, which I feel like gets talked about, you know, when we talk about fear and conflict, section six, I think it is. It's just, you know, no one's going to take that choice away. It's your choice. You know, it's just a choice. All right, you all want me to go through some of my highlights? Yeah. All right, so um, so in 2-1, it really just is talking about separation and how, how the separation even happened. And so the, I think the key point here in separation is, uh, and, and the course calls it level confusion, but the key point here is in, in thinking everything's at the same level. Right, so thinking that God and us could be the same level, love and fear could be the same level, body and mind could be the same level, and so that we have to choose. Am I going to choose my body or am I going to choose my mind? Am I going to choose trust, trusting in God, or am I going to choose myself? Am I going to choose love or am I going to choose fear? So that's really what I took away from 2-1 is we, we think everything's the same level. We think We think everything's you know, one thing or the other, so we have to actually choose. But that's not how it works. Like, think, there aren't, those aren't at the same level. There's God, and then there's us, which is part of God. So God is the sum of every single one of us. So God is greater. You know, there's, there's the, the source of our power. There's, there's the sun and there's the sunbeams. You know, the sun is greater than the individual sunbeams. Sun so there's not a choice there. There's, there's only, it's all one. There's the sun and then the sun has sunbeams. We're thinking, well, do I want to be the sun or should I be my own sunbeam? And it's it's ridiculous when you think about it that way. It's like you're part of the, like, what do you mean your own sunbeam? You're, you're part of. So there is no confusion there in in level. And so I was, I, I know I talked about this on the last call too, and I've mentioned it a few times Um the study that Akshay talks about in Fearvana where we spend 25% of our waking time trying not trying to convince ourselves not to decide on the thing we want, i.e., I really want to eat the cookie, but I'm con- trying to convince myself not to eat the cookie. We spend 25% of our time trying to convince ourselves not to give in to the desire. And plus, I, I can't help but to constantly think about that is how much time we spend trying to decide things thinking that there are two equal alternatives when they're not, there's only one, there's only one decision, which is I'm aligned to whatever God's will. I'm aligned to whatever's meant to be. I'm aligned to, I surrender whatever words you want to call it. There, There is only one, there is no such thing as I'm going to decide. I'm going to make this decision so that I can create this outcome is a complete fallacy. You can make a decision, but the outcome is never guaranteed, regardless of what you decide. And then that got me into thinking the whole, like we, you know, if you think back on your life, you think of regrets or mistakes, 
you know, and I think back to when I was sick, when I had the fibroid, I remember thinking, what did I, what was I thinking? What did I do? How did I create this? As if I could have made a different decision that would have led to me not having a fibroid. But I was, there was never going to be a decision I made that didn't lead to me having a fibroid. That was what was meant to happen. You know, I was meant to have that fibroid. I was meant to have that surgery. And so I think sometimes we think back to our lives and think, you know, if I had turned left instead of right back then, I would have avoided all this. And that whole way of thinking is such a fallacy. As if you had any, you know, as if, I don't know, I feel like those funny, you know, I I don't know if it's a video or what I'm thinking of right now, but like this whole idea of like, okay, turn left or right, and you end up at the exact same point, but you feel like you have the control because you chose left versus right. But both paths are going to, you're going on the same path, but you think you're having a completely different experience. So I thought that was kind of interesting there in in 2-1. Thoughts on that? Y'all taking that in? Well, for me, the um, the, one, the thing that stood out for me in the first section was when it said. Um, that you believe that you can create yourself and that the direction of your own creation is up to you. And at first I thought, I don't believe that. But as I thought about it, yes, I do, because I thought I could make myself into who I wanted to be and um, do whatever I wanted to do in this life, you know. And like you said, the past (laughs) you one way and you end up in the same place anyway, so. Yeah, and, and it's not a bad, it's not a bad thing. Somewhere else in here it talks about, um, it talks about part of the reason we won't do this. Which one, what section is this one? Part of the reason that we won't do this is because we think we're, we're losing something. You know? And so that's, I, you know, part of it is, you know, if a situation in life isn't working out the way we want it to right now, we think, oh, I should, you know, first step is, oh, I should have made a different decision. I shouldn't have put myself in this situation. If only I had done X instead of Y, I wouldn't be in this situation now. Complete false belief. Complete, you know, total wrong-minded thinking. And then part B, that you're in the situation and you think the situation should be any different than it is right now. I don't think I should be sick. I don't think I should have to deal with financial issues. I don't, I don't think I should be in this situation. I don't think that that person should have treated me that way. I don't, whatever. You think that there's something wrong because you're not getting your way right at this moment. Again, separation thinking. Instead of just realizing I'm in this situation because this is the perfect right situation for me. And any belief I have that the situation should be different is as great as insane thinking on my part. Because again, you know, separation and oneness, separation and oneness, separation and oneness. In oneness, it doesn't matter what's going on around us. You know, there's a lot, section one talks about projection, internal, external. It does not matter what the external situations are. You're still at peace in God. 
So you're sitting here saying, okay, well, this situation, each of us are saying, this situation is not to my liking, so therefore I can't be at peace. That's oneness, that's separation thinking. It doesn't matter what the situation is. You are at peace. By definition, currently at this moment, you are at peace. The choice to not see yourself at peace is your choice, cause and effect. That's your choice. But it doesn't change the fact that you are currently bathed in a sea of peace. Nothing bad is ever happening to you. It's pretty miraculous if you think about it. No pun intended. <laughs> yes, because we tend to judge whether every situation is good or bad, depending on how we feel about it. Right. And there's no such thing as that. Okay, so all those notes that I just gave you about the everything equal in our mind was actually two two was a atonement as different. I I mixed two one and two two. Um, what they do say in two two, I also wanted to point out because I've been hearing Marianne Williamson talk about this a lot too lately, which I think is another interesting concept is that we'll I'm sure see a lot more of in the course in the text is positive and negative denial. So there's two types of denial. There is, um, you know, if we look at the situation, let's just take the opioid crisis in the U.S. So we can look at the opioid crisis in the U.S. and say, that just brings my energy down. That's really depressing. I feel I, I don't know what I can do about that, whatever. I'm just not going to look at I'm just not going to look at it. I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to focus my energy on it. That's negative denial as if it's not happening. Positive denial is to say I see the opioid crisis. We need we're in need of a miracle for this crisis. Yeah, I have no clue what I should do about it. But I know that this crisis exists for a higher purpose and a higher power for every single one of us. I know great healing is available through this crisis. So I'm going to take my light into this dark place, which we'll call the opioid crisis. I'm going to take my little light into this dark place called the opioid crisis, and I'm going to shine my light. I'm going to stand in the middle of all of this crap, but I'm going to hold that positive outcome and that positive intention. There's nothing to do with what you do. That doesn't mean I'm going to go and, and volunteer at a drug rehab center. It doesn't mean you're going to go walk the streets looking for people who are high on opioids and hand them pamphlets. Your actions are completely irrelevant. It has nothing to do with your action. It has to do with not turning away from the quote-unquote bad thing that's happening, but looking straight at it and saying, I see what's happening. I see the suffering it's causing people. I see all of the bad ramifications of this thing, but I know and I hold the belief that God and me as part of God or this light or the light of love or the power of love, whatever, again, whatever term you want to call it, I know that that is stronger than this crisis. Again, level confusion. I know that opioid crisis is not bigger than God. They're levels. I know we're having an opioid crisis. I know it seems really bad, but I know that there's a miracle, a corresponding miracle that goes along with this crisis. 
and I'm going to look at the crisis and I'm going to see the crisis and I'm going to be part of that miracle. And all I have to do to be part of that miracle is be willing to see it differently, to not look at it as this is the saddest, most horrible thing that happened, but to also not turn away and say, well, I don't know what to do. I feel hope. I, I'm not sure. This is just bringing me down. I'm going to look at it because I'm a miracle worker, so I can handle this stuff. I can handle looking at things that look upsetting and sad. I can handle looking at them, and I can also bring my light into the dark areas. That's the role of a miracle worker. You know, a miracle worker doesn't say, wow, that area is dark. I'm out of here. A miracle worker says, that area is dark, but I know that there's light that is available to that area. I'm not going to dim my light. I have no idea what that was from. Maybe two, one, two, three. Good, because I have been just avoiding, like, the news and everything that makes me feel like that. But I shouldn't have to avoid it. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's something about immersing yourself in, in things that bring you down and seeing through it. So... You know, I, I wouldn't recommend for anybody to sit and watch the news for hours on end, period, right? But when you hear about something that's going on with the news, it's like, I, I'm not going to add to the energy if this is a tragedy in the world. I'm going to add to the energy if there's a solution to this. So the, does that make sense, Karen? It's the feeling you get. It, it, the actions are so irrelevant. It's It's just that feeling of, you know, there's a lot of stories I hear about which makes me feel hopeless. And it's like, no, that's not my, my role here is not to feel hopeless. That's as if the bad thing is equal to God. And I oh, feel like right. so much of, right? And it's not. It's like, okay, well, that's a really bad situation. God's bigger. God's greater. Our light is bigger. I'm bigger. You know, we're all part of it, right? So, yeah, this is a bad situation, but I'm bigger than the bad situation. That situation has a lot of darkness, but I have a lot of light. Right, and there's a miracle for everything. And there's a miracle for everything. So it's more just the energy around it, not the actual behavior, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it lies in complete non-judgment. Like I watch Lori, you know, she'll talk to people who are sex addicts and drug addicts and People, all kinds, all, people that I I would not want to spend any time with whatsoever. She will spend a lot of time with them, and she just sits there and listens to them. And she doesn't give them advice. She doesn't tell them what to do. She doesn't, you know. She can just be. She can retain her light and be in a situation. That's what you know. I would consider a dark situation. Just because the situation's dark, she doesn't change who she is in that situation. And that, to me, is the role of a miracle worker. And there's so many situations where we all can do that, right? There's so many situations where other people would turn away and all of us go, oh, that's not a big deal. Yeah, I can hold my light in this situation. But our personal growth is to understand that we can hold our light in any situation. Because there's separation and there's oneness. And there's no order and difficulty in miracle. If we can hold our light in one situation, we can hold it in everyone.
Anybody else want to say anything? You all want me to just keep going? I wanted to give you all time to have your own commentary as well. So you just give me some feedback if this is good or if you all have stuff to say, I can pause. It's good. <laughs> You're doing great. Okay. So let's talk two, three, altar of God. So altar of God really gets into the different levels, right? Everything is in our mind. So uh, one of the examples that uses that I love, I think this is a good one for us to remember, is just like a church is just a building, a mosque is just a building, a temple is just a building, that the building in and of itself is not holy. The bricks of the building in and of themselves is not holy. It's the, the place, the altar, the place of the connection to the divine that's holy. And so don't get confused by the outer walls and think that the outer walls is the connection to the divine. So what's the difference here? What's, how do we use this analogy? Our body is neutral. Our body is not, it just houses our soul, our spirit, our connection to the divine, the God within us. Again, the, the body is just the house of, of that. To pay, overly pay attention to our body is to, again, focus on separation because it just holds that key of connection within us. So we don't look outward. It doesn't matter what somebody thinks about our body. It doesn't matter that somebody comes and says something rude to us or, uh, you know, offensive to us because that inner sanctuary it, it cannot be corrupted. It's it's uncorruptible. It can't be hurt. It it can't be damaged. It can't that connection, regardless of what's happening in our body, that connection cannot be severed. So instead of looking outward and thinking, what is he doing and what is she doing and what are they saying and what's going on here and what's going on there, we spend our time looking inward at that sanctuary, at that place of connection, at the altar within us. And it's from there that we make our mind connect to the mind of God, which is automatically connected. But it's we, uh, we remember that connection. We focus on that connection. And we can keep forgetting to do this. You know, we can keep thinking that there's a problem and our mind is not whole, whatever, until we eventually reach enough pain where we say, you know what, my way's not working. Let me try connection. Let me try oneness. Let me attack, try no judgment, no attack, no defense. Let me try going into the peace within me. So that's what I got from 2-3. Um, 2-4, healing is a release from fear. Physical healing occurs when your mind attunes to oneness and peace. It's not about the body. It's not about physical healing. The miracle is not that you, you physically healed. The miracle is that you healed your mind which resulted in a physical healing in the body. So again, just not, these two sections really focus on level confusion because if you are focused on your body, you're focused on separation and separate thinking. If you're focused on that place inside of you that is part of everything, that is connected to everything, you're focused on oneness. So these two sections keep coming back. You know, the altar of God introduces the section and healing brings it specifically to your physical body. You heal by removing fear, and you remove fear when you realize you've always been safe. 
there was never anything to fear. You have always been, are now, and will always be safe because you are already in this place of oneness. So, again, it goes into the decisions we make. We choose to put mind and body on the same level, but we're not at the same level. There's the mind, and then there's the body, which follows the mind. Um, two five function of a miracle worker. Why don't, okay, so I think I talked about this earlier. Why don't we actually do this? Why don't we actually do oneness? We don't see this because we think letting go of fear and we think letting go of fear and separation is a loss. That's why we don't do it. Wait, you're telling me you don't want me to be ominous? That would be so sad. Oh, well then, yeah, I really like being ominous. No, there's some cool things about ominous. I want to, I, I want to be my own unique person. I want to be my own individual. I want to do my own thing. So you, you want me to let that go? That's crazy thinking. So we see it as a loss. We see it as something that we have to give up. All right, fine. I guess I'll give up this wonderful, amazing thing so that we can have peace. Fine. We see it as a negative thing, and that's why we don't want to do it. But the real issue is fear. That is always the issue always comes down to fear. So if by being ominous and being an individual and doing my own thing, if that increases my level of fear or puts me into a state of fear, then I'm on the wrong path. It's not about giving up amina. It's about giving up fear. So if I say, well, I, I'm my own person. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, you know, do my own thing. And I take a step out there and all of a sudden I'm scared and I'm frightened and I don't, what, what is my own thing? I don't even know what my own thing is and I don't know what to do. That's increasing my level of fear. It's much easier to say I'm part of the entire flow of the universe. I am a part of an entire system that works. I don't have to worry about doing my own thing because everything I do is part of a system that works. Every step I take is part of a system that works. I don't have to think about what step to take or what I need to do with that step. I'm just part of the flow. So that's, you know, that's the alternative positive thought of it. And again, you know, I think I've shared the story. It's what it drew me into the Course in Miracles in the first place was when a friend of mine told me, you know, I, I've known Lori for a long time and this friend and I knew Lori before she had started saying the Course. And then my friend said, have you talked to Lori lately? And I said, no. And then she told me, she goes, you know, she wakes up every single day and she just knows what to do and where to go and who to talk to. She's just completely in flow. And I remember thinking, I would give anything to not have to make decisions. Like, how do you get where you just, your entire day is perfectly guided? And this is how you do it. You realize that your entire day is perfectly guided. You just have, it's it's just choosing to see what's already there. So our goal is always to reduce fear. So if I say, you know, if I say to you, don't be an individual person, and you feel a lot of fear with that thought, then don't take that thought in. It's a, it's, the words are meaningless. It's the feeling. And so we want to decrease our amount of fear and feel more connected. So if you say, okay, well, the only way I can do that is to be, I'm still going to be ominous, and I'm going to be an individual, but I'm going to be, you know, an individual that's part of the flow and stuff. That's a step in the right direction, the course does. It's not healing, and it's not all the way there. 
it's not the day of judgment, the last judgment, whatever it's called here in this chapter. It's You're not all the way there, but you're at least on the right path because what what we don't want to have happen is your fear increase so much as you get to this point, part of the journey that you shut down. So there's a lot in here about, you know, you can use the medicine to heal your body. Just don't get confused that the medicine's healing your body. It, it, it's your mind. Your mind has put belief in this medicine to heal your body. Your mind has given this medicine a piece of God to heal your body. And in that way, your mind has connected to the fact that it's something greater that can heal, this greater connection that can heal. So it's okay if you have to think the medicine's what's healing you right now. That's totally okay. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a step in the right direction. Um, and two five function of a miracle worker, accept the power of your mind and choose again for oneness. We're scared to look inward. We're scared of what we'll find. And the only way to go in and see God is to go inward. There's a section in here, I think it's in 2.5, which basically says you are scared to death of the one thing that will heal you, which is to go inside yourself. We're so scared to go look inside our own minds and all of everything we want, peace, salvation, everything is inside our own mind. We will go read how many books, we'll climb how many mountains, we'll talk to how many spiritual leaders, anything other than to go inside. So that's what this is, two fives talking about miracle worker. That it's, it's not complicated. It's not hard. But we feel like if I have to go inside to find this, what am I going to find? There? We don't realize that there's this beautiful altar where we're connected to everything in there. We're, we're afraid there's going to be something scary in there. So how do we reduce that fear as we keep asking the Holy Spirit, help me see this differently, help me. And as soon as we're in that, I know, I believe in oneness. I know oneness exists. I can't figure out how the heck to get there right now, but I know it's there. That's where the Holy Spirit can come in and help us. Um, everything that's happening is happening exactly as it should. Anybody have anything to say before I go to two six? Well, I just really this one. Um, this is Leslie. This this one really spoke to me because I'm a Reiki practitioner and and I work with people all the time who are sick and they want to be healed and they and and the Reiki energy and I explain to them you know it's coming from it's coming from God it's part of the the one the whole and it's not just me. But they still they still really need their medications and their doctors, and I would never ever discourage that. But it's amazing to me that people seem to know that they need more than just the medicine. Does that make any sense? That, right. You know that they need even though they can't let go of that medication. And, and hey, you know I don't know what I would do if I was in that situation if I had breast cancer or. Some, you know, I, I don't know. I've never been faced with that. I might do the very same thing, but they do seem to 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 realize that they need more than that, and it accelerates everything when they start um, uh, having Reiki sessions, yeah. whether from me yeah. or from anybody. And not, it's not me. I always say that it's not me. It's so. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's exactly it. But. 
this is, I, I thought this was a really good point for ourselves as well as for anybody we work with. The goal is to reduce the fear. I just thought that's really, that is the goal. Reduce the fear, reduce the fear, reduce the fear. Because I like to fix it. I like to get to the end of the story. But it's a process, right? It's just reducing the fear. Making everything okay. And everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. That's the message I get for just about all of my clients and for me when I'm in a crisis mode is everything's fine. Everything's going to be fine. You're always fine. You always will be fine. Everything's, everything's fine. Just trust, just trust in that, rest in that, rest in that peace um, of knowing that everything is fine and you're loved and you're safe. And if I can hear it, it works, you know, if, right. And I don't always hear it. I mean, I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress. But if I hear it, it's like, oh, it's like a big relaxation just comes over me. Oh, okay. You know. Exactly. And that's really, I mean, this is all of chapter two. You never left this place of pure peace. And so if you're feeling not at peace, you know, and this is 2-6, 2-6 tells you exactly what to do. As soon as you fear As soon as you're feeling fear, you realize you're taking a step into miscreation. And at that point, you ask, once you start going into miscreation, you shut out, uh, you know, one world costs you the other world. So Holy Spirit can't come in. Nobody can come in and take away your free will and make you go a different direction. But as soon as you feel feel fear or or, are aware you're feeling fear, because sometimes you feel fear for the longest time before you're like, wait a second, I am freaked out right now. But the minute you become aware, I'm experiencing fear right now, you go, oh, got it. This is, this is, this is the crazy thinking. This is the illusion. This is the nightmare. I just have to choose again. And so 2-6, which I, I, I love this because it's a little bit of a kick in the butt message, but I think it's, at least from what I'm experiencing, holding myself to a higher standard. Even I feel like what Akshay was talking about in Fearvana, like, Really pushing ourselves a little bit. You know, when when he runs, he pushes himself outside his comfort. He runs a little further. He runs a little harder. Uh, That's what makes us feel alive as humans is really pushing ourselves. And when I started the no suffering thing, I mean, I really had to push myself to choose not to suffer. And now that I've been doing it for a few months, I'm I'm realizing, like, it, it, it literally is just turning the switch off. To the crazy thinking and you can do it i i cannot believe not how easy it is i don't want to say it's easy because i feel like that simplifies it too much but how much stronger i am than the craziness that goes on in my mind i literally can just say no I'm not going here and switch it off but it takes that level of commitment and dedication to say i'm not i'm not going to allow my mind to go down this path I know where it leads. It always leads me someplace I don't want to go. So two six really about that the fact that it's a choice. You know, and you're you're allowing the thinking to keep going on. And then there's a line from two six that I I'm I'm sure we read it before, but it really stood out this time. When you're willing to shut it out, when you actually make that decision and say, I'm gonna shut this out, then 
the Holy Spirit will, will take over and you'll have the strength. The Holy Spirit does not ask for more than you're willing to do right now. When you are wholly willing, the strength to do comes naturally. And once you decide that you're going to use your mind to extend God's love and anything that's not God's love you're not going to do, the strength to get there comes quicker, quicker than you might imagine. So I thought that was a good good line over there. Um, and then 2-7, you know, the power of your thinking, 2-6 starts into this too about, you know, you complain about fear, you say, how am I going to help with fear? But you're the one who has the power of your mind. So you can think fear thoughts and you can think miracle thoughts. And again, you think these two are at equal levels and they're not. Your fear thoughts, they don't mean anything and your miracle thoughts have the power to create. So you, you think you can think a fear thought and create, but that's just getting lost more and more in the illusion. So the more you think that your fear is real, the more you justify your fear, the more you sit in your fear, the more power you give it. Because in truth, you're either, se- you're either one with God or you're separated from God. You can't be both. You have to make that decision about which one you're going to be. And then, of course, the last section, the meaning of the last judgment, which I took the least notes on because we just covered this, but the idea that the last judgment is really just us coming into this oneness thinking, and it's already happening. All of us are in the process of the last judgment where we're looking at our own thoughts and realizing, I don't have to think the way I'm thinking. This is crazy. I can think the oneness thought. I don't have to attack. I don't have to worry about being attacked. I don't have to worry that the situation I'm in, what do I need to do about it? How do I need to behave? What's going to happen? I don't need to worry about any of that. And just let go and trust and relax and know that if I'm in this situation right now, I, I'm at complete peace and in oneness right now, regardless of what situations occurring around me. It's very powerful if you think about that. Nothing can touch you. It's not even possible for anything to touch you. And if you think something's touching you, it's because you've given that thought, you know, somewhere at the beginning of chapter two, you choose what you make valuable. So you choose to believe you can be attacked. You choose to believe somebody can hurt you. You choose to believe harm can come to you. So those were my notes. Anything else you all want to say about any of this or anything that's coming up after hearing kind of the summary? Well, I was um, listening to Leslie talk about the Reiki people that she has. And um, I love Reiki, by the way, and I do it too. Um, and, you know, this stuff is, is, is changing everything. But there's no way I'm going to quit taking my medication right now. And I wonder if I'll ever get to that point where I'll feel safe enough that I don't have to take any medication. I take a lot. Well, and it's not about stopping to take your medication, Karen. The the point where you'll stop taking your medication is when you're healed. Right? Yeah. So right now... You know, you're in a state where you believe that the medication is helping your healing. It, it, gives, it reduces your fear. If I said, Karen, stop taking all your medication tomorrow, 
your level of fear would go through the roof. Yes. <laughs> right? So it's not yep. useful. So it, it wouldn't be useful for you to stop taking your medication. That's the whole the whole point here. And that's not useful for you to stop because the only thing that's useful is to reduce your fear. And so you'll get to a point where you have healed your mind enough that you've reduced your fear enough that your body, you'll start seeing the impact of that on your body, i.e. you won't have all those conditions. You'll go to the doctor. The doctor will say, hey, we can take you off of this and this and this. You know, that happens all the time to people, right? They're on something. Uh, yeah, you don't seem to have this thing. We can take you off of this stuff, right? I haven't had be on that. <laughs> well, but it does happen. I mean, you've heard stories, and that's the whole thing. It's possible because you've yeah. heard stories yeah, of that yeah. happening. Right. So, And that's the whole point that this is, the Course in Miracles is making, is it's saying, you know, the medicine is not healing you, but it's the, the um, feeling that that medicine is giving you Right? right, the comfort, yeah. the relief from fear, the feeling that you're doing something, the feeling that you're getting better or keeping things at bay, whatever. The medicine right. is reducing your fear. That's right. why it's effective. Right? Yeah. So as your fear in general in life starts to go down, which is the path we're all on, right? We're all fearful of whatever we're fearful of. We all have our own stuff. But as all of our fears start to go down, We'll see that we'll see the difference of that on our bodies. And as we see the difference on our bodies, we won't feel like I need to do. You know, if I don't do my yoga every single day, it's all downhill for me. That's a belief, right? Yeah. I have to drink yeah. my green juice every single day in order to keep things running in my body. That's a belief, right? Yeah. That's a belief that gives your mind some. You know, you think I'm drinking a green juice, and your mind says. You're healthy. And so then my body says, okay, I'm healthy because my mind told me I'm healthy. And my mind got the message I'm healthy because I drank the green juice. So, it's, you know, there's a lot of different medicines out there that we all use, right? Some come right. in pill format. But it's, and that's the whole thing. We're reducing our fear. We're reducing our fear. And you reduce your fear from a pill or from a green juice or from whatever you use. It doesn't matter. All you're actually doing is reducing your fear. And, I and that's I what's like, important. Okay. I feel like I, I have to let go of the control. You know what I mean? I, I, it has to do with being in control, which, I, of course, I don't really have. But I feel like if I take all these drugs, then things aren't going to get worse. And that's, right. you know, that's me trying to keep control. Right. That's, but also understand that that's the way that you're reducing your fear. Okay. Right. Yep. And that's and that's why they keep talking about that here in the healing part. The healing part it keeps saying anything that reduces your fear leads to your healing. So eventually the goal is to reduce for all of us, the goal is to reduce the fear in our own minds without needing something else. Um, okay, I'm gonna give you this example. In Islam, as Muslims, you pray five times a day. Right? And you pray five times a day because that reminds you of your connection to God. And there's the belief that if you pray five times a day, you're going to make the right decisions and, and stay in the right alignment. But it's not praying. It's not standing and kneeling that puts you in the right alignment. It's the thought that if I pray five times a day, I'll be connected to God all day long. That's what heals you. 
not the standing right. and the sitting and the bowing. Right. Right. So it's the it's same thing medicine. with medicine. It's the same thing with medicine. But if I have to do the standing and the sitting and the bowing to feel connected to God, well, by all means, do it. That right. works for you. To, if, if you feel like you have this crystal and this crystal, you know, whenever you're, you're holding this crystal and making a decision with a crystal, everything goes right, then use the crystal, right? But it's not the crystal. And it's not the standing and the sitting. It's the power that you give these things. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It does. Thanks. And I just want to say one, just wanted to say one quick thing. Um, Karen, I mean, I see you as being um, stronger and, and than most people I know because you, you study and, and you're so spiritual and, and you're, and, and you're just so open to everything. So the medicine is just, you know, it's there because you've been conditioned to believe that you need it and that's great. But you also are are so adept at, at the other the, the other things, the other things that we're learning here that make you so much more powerful. And that's how I see you. Thank you for saying that. That makes me feel really good. Like I'm I may have, I'm getting somewhere with it, you know? Well, that's just, just the feeling I always get from you is that a very, a very powerful, you know, and, and who knows, who knows what, what, like, like Amina said, you know, everything that happens, it happens because this is where we're supposed to be right now. And, exactly. you know, I, I wouldn't presume to say why you're supposed to be where you are, but where you are is definitely a seat of power, a point of power. It's, it emanates from you. Thank you. That means a lot, Leslie. Oh, you're welcome. And to, and to take this whole thing a step further, and, and it's hard to do for any of us with any of our problem areas, but to take this a step further, nothing bad is happening to any of us at any point in time. You may right. not like being sick. Somebody else may not like being broke. <laughs> Someone else may not like the relationship they're in. They, you might not like any of these things, but it, 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 it doesn't mean that it's not, it shouldn't be happening. And that's how we get, that's how we get sick, physically sick, is by saying, well, this shouldn't be happening to me. I want something different to be happening. Right? That yeah, is that separation means. thinking. If it's yeah. happening... If it's happening, it's supposed to be happening. It's just that simple. And that's right. where, you know, Lori said to me, she gave me some feedback a long time ago. She says, you know, I'm going to, she said, I love talking to you, but there is one thing that always makes me very uncomfortable when I talk to you. And I, of course, was on high alert. Like, what am I doing that's mm-hmm. making Lori uncomfortable? Because I really value you know she's there when things you guys know what that's like when when things go real south and the person who's there I'm like I I don't want to do anything that makes you uncomfortable like you tell me what what I need to do because I I can't afford to have you leave and she says no matter what I tell you you always somehow think that you've done something wrong that somehow you should have known you should have made a difference and she said it makes me uncomfortable because I'm pointing things out to you and you somehow think like What's happening to you shouldn't be happening, that you could have done something different to keep this from happening. 
And I thought about that. And I finally, I just recently had a major awareness about how I show up in the world. And I was sitting here listening to, and it, this, this was my analogy, just to give you guys an idea of it. I was like, I'm like a spider and I make these beautiful spider webs and then I trap people in them. And every time people want to leave, I'm like, why, why would you want to leave? Look how beautiful my web is. So this is, this is what I'm thinking about myself. And I'm sitting there and I go, huh, that's so interesting that I do that. It's really unnecessary. Nobody, I don't need to trap people. People like being around me. Why, why would I need to trap people? I'm having this whole thought. And I remembered what Lori said. I said, oh, my gosh, this is what it's like to look at yourself and see a behavior you're doing and have no judgment about yourself. To just look at it and go, huh, that's interesting that I do that. Who knows why I started doing that? Who knows where that came from? But I just don't need to do that anymore. And just let it go. Amazing. Wow. It is. It's like there's none of this like, why did I do that? And what made me do What happened to me as a child? What if I do it again? Of course, I'm, I'm going to do it again. It's a pattern I run. I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to do this one again because it's a pattern I run. But next time I do it, I'm going to remind myself, I don't really need to do this. I just, this is an old pattern. It's, just not, it's not the truth of who I am. So I'm not even worried that I'm going to run the pattern again. I, I'm not even cured from it. Everything else in my life, I've always had to be cured. Oh, you know, I've learned this new thing. It's, I, I, I'm at a different level. I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't know if I'll, I don't know if I'll ever be cured of this, but now I've got this level of awareness. So next time I do it, hopefully I'll catch myself a little quicker. It's just such a different attitude around it. Yeah. We all do this. We do things that we do. We're in situations that we're in. Things happen. It doesn't change the fact that we are all currently at this moment part of God. Nothing bad's happening. What a relief. <laughs> really? It is a relief. It is a relief. Because I know for me, I have found um, since I started this, since I started A Course in Miracles, my biggest realization has been that I'm not angry at other people. I'm not upset with other people. The person that bothers me the most is me. And I can find so many, I, and so many things come up that bother me about me. All, I mean, just it, this running um, conversation in the back of my head that I didn't even realize was happening. Things that, that I did when I was 12 years old. Oh, that was bad, you know. That was terrible. And I mean, and so now... I'm able to say, okay, Holy Spirit, I would really like to see this differently. I would like the atonement. I would like to be able to I, I, I forgive myself. I, I, I want to forgive myself. I, I want to see how to do that. And, and it has helped. But it's just amazing how many grudges and, and problems I see in me. That, and it's not anybody else. And I realize Les, that. Leslie, you know what? Let me quote you, my dearest Leslie. Um, let's see, where is it? Then? Okay, 2-5, Function of a Miracle Worker. Um, okay, fear is the issue. Goal is to reduce your fear. Eventually you'll see you can go within yourself and relieve your own fear. Should not judge yourself because it creates fear and is in the illusion. 
Yes. Yes. Because you are exactly as God, when you were 12 and you did that, you were the Leslie that God created. Right. Right. I'm, so, I'm starting to, to feel that, but it, I've been doing this all my life and didn't realize it. Right. Exactly. And that's like me. I'm like, wow, look at me running this pattern. Look at me running that pattern. It's like, wow, I, you know, I came up with a lot of really good patterns that I've run and they're really successful. And that fiber work pattern, I run with everybody, with relationships, with clients, with you all in this group. I, you know, I, I come across, I'm lovely, I'm wonderful. How can you not love me? And then it's like, oh, well, you know, I think I'm going to go do something else. Like, wait, what, what, why are you leaving? I'm wonderful. Come back here. And nobody wants to be stuck in a spider web, right? And I just right. realized I, I don't need to do that anymore because I am exactly as God created me now as I always have been. Wow. It's amazing. It is. All right, I'm going to go ahead and end the recording since we're not um, talking specifically about Chapter 2. And then I'm happy to stay on and just if there's anything else you guys want to talk about off recording, we can do that. So next week, Tuesday, um, Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. And I'm going to confirm that because I'm actually flying into D.C. next week on Tuesday. So I may have to reschedule next week's call to I'll either do it during the day or to a different day for next week. Um, but in general, we'll stay on Tuesdays at 7. Maybe actually next week we'll do Wednesday the 12th at 7 instead. Let's just, do, let's just go ahead and make that change now since I know I'm going to be flying on the 11th. And uh, that'll be it for the recording, for those of you listening to recordings. And for those of you live, hold on, and we can just talk about anything you want to talk about. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.